eyes will be on Paris and the Rugby World Cup final this weekend, of course. But many Welsh eyes will also be in New Zealand, where Wales women take on the hosts. Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. We'll hear about how the pathway could be looking with the WIU's Head of Player Development, John Alder, shortly. But, of course, we'll start down under and following defeat to Canada, Wales women take on world champions New Zealand in their second game in the WXB. One of the nice stories is second row Kate Williams representing the land of her father against the country where she was brought up before joining up with the Wales squad in New Zealand at last year's World Cup and then coming over to take part in the Six Nations. It's been a remarkable 12 months. It's really nice being back to see my family and, and see my friends as well. It is nice. Your dad is going to follow you for all three tests. What's it like having that support? Yeah, it's so nice. Um, he came down like a day early in Wellington and I got to say hi from then. And he's going to come down to Dunedin and obviously he'll be up in Auckland as well. It's nice having him there every time. We spoke earlier this year, you were pretty excited to show the girls uh, around Wellington, Dunedin as well. What sort of things have you been showing them? We did the cable cars, we went up Mount Victoria. Um, we've been for a couple of ocean swims already this week, so we went today and yesterday. And yeah, some of the girls, they love it as well, which is nice. So they also look to you at the start of the day off and say, what are we doing today? Oh, not really. To be fair, the what are they? The social committee. They've been planning everything, which has been brilliant. And there's been stuff that everyone can do, whether you just like want to go for, to a coffee shop or, or we go off and do activities and that. But they've been really good as well. What was it like running out uh, last weekend against Canada as a Wales player in New Zealand for the, for the first time? It was really cool. I was here, well, obviously last year in the Rugby World Cup, I got to be on the sideline in my Wales kit while the girls were playing the Black Ferns in Australia. But it was really cool to run out as a Wales women's player this time and get to sing the anthem in front of the whole crowd and in front of my family and in front of my friends. I felt really proud. How excited are you not just running out of New Zealand, playing New Zealand this weekend? Yeah, it's really cool. It feels like, um, it feels like a big occasion, but also it's not that big of an occasion because I've played against these girls since I was 16, 17. I've played against these girls for years. So I do know them and I know the way they play. And towards the end of the week, just want to get it across to the girls. They're not to be feared or anything. They are just players like us. When you were a little girl here growing up, did you ever think for a second that you'd play for the Blackfins or was it all Wales? At different points, yeah, it was the Blackfins. They were the people I could see the most. Um, they were the ones who were playing in New Zealand and that was who I wanted to be. I did want to be a Blackfern. But also I got to see the Six Nations when I was a bit older and stuff um, and see that there was a pathway there as well. And I'm really proud to be able to represent my home country and my family and play for Wales. How do you reflect on this 12 months that you had? It has been really crazy. I think at the time that you were interviewing me last, I, um, I was playing for the Defence Ferns. So I was playing for a... Ferns team, um, but I but I got an opportunity, and I think the biggest thing I've done since then now is just take that opportunity and and use it to grow and learn, and it's worked. <laughs> How's it been in Wales? What's similar in the, in the way that they do rugby over there? What's different? I moved over to Wales in January without any kind of promise of ever being in the team this year. My plan was to hopefully make it in the next two or three years. Um, and be playing for just a club side like I was in North Harbour. But then 
I got to play in the Celtic Challenge, which was a step up, and then I, I got called up into the Six Nations team, and then I've been there ever since. What I can say that's different, which I wasn't really expecting, to be fair, I thought I'd be playing rugby in Wales, however, I've been playing in Gloucester, and that's a really high standard of rugby. I'd say it's more equivalent to, say, uh, the Super Rugby over here, which... I only got a taster in, but being able to play that week in, week out against the best, I guess against international players as well, has been really, really amazing, which I guess they don't have here. They've only got it internally at the moment. Other than that, it's really cool that Wales, they have a hub, so everything's pretty much in Cardiff, and living in Swansea, um, I get to commute, but also it means that because I get to live in Swansea, I get to see my family, which I've only seen intermittently since I was a kid, so that's my favourite part about it. It's different in some ways, like of course uh, in New Zealand they've got like a big Polynesian culture which I respected and I loved and it was full of laughter and dancing and music and stuff. We've got that as well but just in a different way. Welsh people, they love their rugby just as much as the New Zealanders so there's that similarity as well. I'd say the passion for rugby and I'd say the togetherness of the group is, is similar. What have you made of the WXB? I think it's uh, the best thing that's happened to women's rugby in the last few years internationally, just because we're playing the top six teams and the top six teams are going to play every year now. And that means that there's more upsets, there's better rugby being played. And especially for Wales, we get to test ourselves every single year, which we haven't been able to previously. If Wales are to show just how much they've improved, then we'll all start up front, of course. And second row Abby Fleming admits they'll have to learn the lessons from that opening defeat to Canada. I think we learnt a lot from that game. We played them a year ago just before we went to the World Cup and it was great to see where we were then and where we are now. And a lot's changed, you know, in terms of our professionalism. I think for us, we were probably our own worst enemies at the weekend. Our discipline let us down. Um, So we've had a little look at that and we plan to correct it for this weekend's game against New Zealand. But... The positives were, I think we worked really well as a team. You know, we had a good trust in each other. Our our pack specifically, we've got really good connections and we're building and growing. Our set piece is still a weapon, um, which we plan to grow even stronger. You and Georgia are forming quite the partnership there in the second row, aren't you? Yeah, definitely. And I think we've got a good understanding of each other and we have high expectations of each other and we know that we're going to be in the middle of it doing all the dirty work, winning the breakdowns and all the things that doesn't really get seen. Deception tries? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, it was an outstanding try. Did you have a look at France, New Zealand uh, afterwards? Um, yeah, we've had a little look, obviously, and we've tried to plan ahead for New Zealand this weekend. I imagine New Zealand are going to be fighting for this weekend, obviously, considering the loss against France. But we've no doubt it's going to be a great game. You know, New Zealand are um, World Cup champions, so we're under no illusion that that's going to be a very difficult game. I think France's success came all with the line speed. Is that something that you've been working on this week? Yeah, definitely. I mean, we obviously our plan is to get off the line as, as fast as we can, chop and try and make it a bit more of a nuisance at the breakdown. And that's something that we want to start getting better at and progressing in our game. I've been in the New Zealand camp today. They're a special team, special bunch of girls. How exciting is it to take them on here in their backyard knowing, you know, that they are the world champions. Amazing, amazing. And they come with great experience and their on-field and off-field charisma is amazing. And it's great to see and I think we learn a lot from that team especially and we can kind of take bits that we would like to be similar to them in that respect. But we can make it our own and I think, yeah, we learn a lot from them. So actually it's going to be a big game and it's, it's really exciting to play New Zealand in New Zealand. 
you were in the same hotel as them last week. Any any exchanges? Oh, <laughs> a few a few hellos. How are you in the lift? Um, um, I think some of the other girls know the New Zealanders a little bit better than I do, but um, no, it's it's lovely and they're great human beings. So it was it was quite nice to share that space with them. Not a massive crowd uh, for the first game uh, in Wellington. Not sure what we're going to see this weekend. Is that slightly disappointing given the sort of 90,000 crowds that you guys were playing in, in front of in the Six Nations? I guess it, a little bit disappointing. I mean, obviously, it is an international fixture, so you would like to see a few more people turning up to watch an international game. But I do think it's important that we remember that we are a new tournament and actually we can only go up from here. So actually it's better to start off kind of smaller crowds to then build up to the bigger crowds where actually we're following the pattern and development of the tournament itself. Do you feel the support from home? Massively, massively. My parents and my friends and family get up early to watch the game. Obviously, the time difference allows for a bit of um, difficulty, but they'll get up and watch the game. And it's great to know that the nation's behind us um, when we're here. You mentioned uh, discipline. Is that something that you guys have talked about as a group? We obviously look at the cards from the other games and we look at what referees are penalising. So actually, we're making ourselves aware of them you know our coaches are very proactive in pointing things out you know we've got a lot of emphasis on the contact area how we're entering the contact area whether we're entering through the gate or not our tackle height making sure we're dropping height before we tackle dropping height before we clear out so those type of patterns are what we're trying to enforce in training and those standards are what we're trying to kind of reinforce while we're here how excited are you about this WSB tournament you know how much they're going to help and golf women's game Massively excited. It's amazing to be part of. And, you know, um, last weekend against Canada, it was amazing. You're the first person to wear that jersey in this tournament. And to think in 10, 20 years' time, there's going to be new Welsh players putting that jersey on. It's incredible. You know, for instance, you look at the Six Nations. That Six Nations tournament must have started from somewhere. And we're the start of the WXV tournament, which in years and years to come will be something phenomenal. It's an exciting prospect. Back in January, February, I was involved in the Celtic Challenge, which is more of a development league for players based in Wales. So actually it's great to now be part of this because it gives those players playing in these development leagues something to strive for. Okay, if I work really hard and if I become a professional rugby player and I work hard at it, I can go and do these things and represent my country in all these other different countries and play against some of the best nations in the world. listening to the Welsh Rugby Union podcast. Good luck to Wales women in the early hours of Saturday morning. If they're to improve long term, and the same applies to Wales men, then WIU Head of Player Development John Alder has a big role to play. There's plenty of work going on, as he explained after the announcement of the new competition below regional level for men. We're coming towards those critical moments where we're able to now start talking about changes that are planned, looking to implement them, working with partners on that. And I suppose at the heart of it, it's about trying to create more and better players for the professional game and for Wales. And to do that, we need great competitions, you know, and um, appropriate competitions. So what a great competition looks like for an adult is different to a a younger person, for sure. Uh, So in terms of the elite domestic competition, that should be the absolute pinnacle of domestic club rugby in Wales. And the ambition being for it to work in a really integrated way with our professional 
games or professional regions in a way that not only creates a great product to play in, a great product for clubs to be part of, for fans, engaging our wider, passionate rugby public, but also give great opportunities for players to develop. And those players that are graduating out of age group rugby, who typically play a lot of rugby between their 15 and 18 or 15 and 20 years. And at the moment, they don't move very quickly into regional teams. They can tend to get caught a little bit in betwixt and between looking for regular playing opportunities. And part of that uh, challenges have been our typical season structure is not necessarily dovetailed so well with the professional game, along with things like under-20s and that sort of rhythm of the calendar. So we hope that all of these changes, this new league that we are, or a competition that we are creating, that we're inviting clubs to apply if they're eligible and they would meet a, a set of um, conditions and criteria on an annual basis to retain their licence. And that would be a, be a holistic element to that. So it's um, not just about are they the best team, it would be are they financially sustainable as a club, what's their rugby provision like, their infrastructure, they willing to work with the regions and how they're working with the regions and all those sorts of things. Because over the years there's been a slightly haphazard thing that some players have been slightly fortunate, other players have been in the same position as a more experienced player who's you know, not got their potential but is probably better at the moment. So how much is there an ability to actually organise this, work on it, make sure that the right players are getting the right opportunities? Well, I think the first step is to start. You, know, you start by starting and hopefully by creating this new competition by all the parties involved, the clubs who've been great through the consultation, the regions, everybody collectively committing to trying to create something that provides that vehicle and then we put it to work. You know, and Will it be perfect from day one? No. Will there be teething problems? Yes. But I think that commitment to partnership working between regions, between the clubs involved, between us, a clear purpose, a clear direction of travel for the competition and some clear commitments that over time we'll fine-tune it. And you'd hope, you know, like we look at other sports or, or other rugby union nations where there is a more long-standing feeder system. I think of like the ITM Cup in New Zealand feeding the Super Rugby. You've got the um, New South Wales Cup in Rugby League feeding the NRL, whereby partner clubs work with the pro teams, etc., or semi-pro clubs. With you know, we hope we better move towards that. Uh, and it has been there in pockets historically, but it's probably been more due to personal relationships or convenient relationships whereby there's a, a club in a regional tie. So hopefully we start by starting, commit to it, and learn by doing. Because as easy as that, <laughs> easy to say. But, but your role of player development, a lot of that's very personal, very individual by definition. How much, though, is the overall structure an essential part of that individual program? Uh, great, I think you, you frame it far better than I, I could. So it almost, it's um, the two things have to, have to happen simultaneously. It's individualised development, but we have to give a broader structure for that to happen within. So yeah, no player travels through in the same way as another. Some move through really quickly, some will have a more rocky road, some will require more of this and less of that. And we talked earlier about the player who hasn't played enough or you've got a player who actually probably needs to play less and put on four or five kgs if they're going to go on and become, you know, if, we're, if this whole purpose is of the pathway is to prepare people to thrive in professional rugby. So I think we have to almost, yeah, uh, do both things simultaneously and the, the structure won't do it alone. It requires great people who are thinking about what does this individual need, but the structure has to be there and key things like, um, I suppose, how and when players are identified and brought onto programmes, what's delivered on programmes and how, and then what competitions there support development and give that platform for players to play because ultimately people get into rugby because they want to play rugby you know and people want to watch rugby that's um something we should never want to shy away from and at the right time great competition 
really stretches, challenges people and really helps them to thrive and fulfil their potential. I think I look at the the purpose the Pro de Deux is providing at the moment for some of the younger French players. It's very intense competition, definitely not for the light-hearted. And you go in there as a 19-year-old and you'll take a, a bit of a battering to start with. And um, you know, again, individualised this caters more for some positions than others. Some positions take a bit longer. We, you know, we would talk about front five players and therefore having this the elite domestic competition in particular as a potential three, four-year period for players to really get some miles on the clock. If you're an outside back like like Louis Rizamit, he was a British Lion before he'd even finished his under-20s age group. So he went through very quickly. For others, I think, yeah, second rows, front five forwards, uh, front rowers are um, a little bit longer. So this kind of, as a structure provides that um, net I suppose to and equally not to rule out those that come to rugby late or commit to it late you know might have done lots and lots of sports until they're 19 20 might have been at university and gone you know I'm well, Alex Cuthbert was quite a late comer to rugby I, I gather we have a under 18s winger um, Harry Reese Weldon who I, I gather spent a fair bit of time in football before recently coming back to rugby so this providing that uh, academies at the moment typically are a good gateway for we hope 14 to 16 year olds, not that the door's ever closed for firmly, but that's a great gateway for them. But this provides a, another gateway and entry point. So from the moment you came into the WIU and maybe look a year ahead when these changes sort of really come into practice, how different do you think your ability to do your job is? Um, well, I've, I've always thought of it when I joined um, as kind of three-stage change process. There's the structural change element, which um, you referenced there. Then we're in, once we've got a, a broader structure within which everybody can operate, broader constraints, we can then get down to the exciting work of asking, what does good really look like? And then once we've got it to a good place with that, there's kind of you're really then sharpening the saw, marginal gains, activity, really refining. And that's where some of the real sports science stuff comes in is sort of the difference between a winning a, a semi-final and winning a World Cup final. You know, those real marginal gains. But now the, we're moving towards a place where we're coming out the back of structural change. It will take some time for that to embed. But I'm excited now uh, engaging with partners, whether that's um, our 16 new licensed schools and colleges who are going to provide a really important platform for a critical mass of players aged 16 to 18, whether it's our regional academies or whether it's whoever is um, the, the final group of clubs that join the elite domestic competition. Working with them to ask the question, what does good really look like? And how do we get there? And how do we get there fast? And bringing the universities into the, so, into the fold as well, yeah, which yep. just shows everything's maybe a bit more joined up than it was. Hopefully, hopefully, yeah. I mean, um, it's um, amazed me since I've started. And not surprising, I, I knew this from, from a distance, but Welsh people immensely passionate about rugby, really care, and there are lots of stakeholders that really want to play their part. And none of us can do this on our, on our own. If we want to put players out onto the Principality winning, if we want to fill clubhouses, change is a team sport, as is rugby, of course, and um, everybody needs to, to play their part. And uh, yeah, universities are the next step for us to look at. We've got three Bucks Super Rugby universities in the men's. We have two now in the Women's National League. You know, that's almost a third of the competition just in Wales. Uh, what a brilliant opportunity we have there and some passionate people and good resource. So how we work with them and how we can support them to provide another great playing vehicle for players. You know, if the EDC isn't quite appropriate, Buck Super Rugby might be. So for those players that we're calling in the new performance development phase, we're chunking the pathway up into three deliberate phases now, which have its own purpose, intentions, principles. 14 to 16, 16 to 18, and, and this performance development phase, 18 to 24. Elite domestic competition is a key playing vehicle, as would be Buck Super Rugby, as might be for the right player, the top end of the community pyramid, to our national under-20s. But... Um, 
creating a, um, a patchwork quilt of opportunity. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> and hopefully all joined up. Nigel used the word coherent. And I think if I was to pick one word, it would be coherent. It doesn't have to be identical. None of us, you know, we want our own individual flavour, your club culture, your regional culture, regional identity, club identity, school identity. But, um, but everything kind of feels like it sticks and it makes sense. Then that, that, that's, um, that's a win for me. And let's hope there are plenty of wins ahead. So that's it for this week's Boss of the Union podcast. Much more next week. But until then, goodbye.